you're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and I'm joined this week by... Brendan Sinclair. Rebecca Valentine. And Chris Green. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories of the past week, which all centre around Xbox. And I'm not even sure which one to start with. I'm going to, I'm not going to do my usual like rambling and you know like two, three minutes of me reading through the stories on the site. The headlines are... Xbox Series X is going to be priced at $299, Xbox Series, no, $499, Xbox Series S, the long-rumoured Project Lockhart slim version, is going to be priced at $299, and it's digital only. Those are both going to be available via via Xbox All Access, which is a payment plan, so it's $35 a month for the X, it's uh, $25 a month for the S, both come with a console and Game Pass Ultimate. Um... And then just to add value to Game Pass, EA has announced that, uh, and Microsoft and EA have announced that EA Play, their own subscription service, more than 60 games will be included in Game Pass Ultimate from some point this holiday season. It's been a busy week for Xbox. What do we want to tackle first? Oh, it was a very fun week. Can we can we start with the lo- the the kind of announcement of this news because it yes it please was, it, it, it was, was a glorious. delight right like this when was this was this Tuesday Monday night. I think, yeah, Monday night. Yeah, so, so Monday I, night's we, a holiday in, in the States, so it was Labor Day. So, like, I I probably, I think I might have, were it a working day, I think I would have normally been online for this happening, but I wasn't. And, you know, obviously UK's all gone to bed. So it's, like, nighttime on Monday night, and all of a sudden we start getting, like, little screenshots and clips from... Uh, I guess, a, like, a couple journalist sources, a couple people who, you know, would be in the know that, you know, look like official official stuff from Microsoft, right? Like official videos that they were planning on showing leaks, basically, um, of the Xbox Series S. And within 24 hours, Microsoft had confirmed it all. Um, See, I think it was even less than 12 hours. So I remember, So I logged in. Matt and I were the only ones on um, first thing in the morning. Like, logged in. All this stuff is out there. Matt's like, right, I'll, I'll handle the rest of the news. You just tackle Xbox. I managed to write up the entire article and... Uh, you know, like, um, so, you know, this is leaked. This sort of site says this. This person shared a video which shows this. This is what um, they're saying about the release date. This is what they're saying about the payment plan. And I was just putting it into our back-end system. And the only thing I had about Microsoft's response was, uh, so far, Microsoft's only response has been the uh, monkey puppet meme on Twitter, <laughs> um, which I think is, is meant to, like, show, like, mock surprise. And as I was putting it into our back-end... They confirmed. So I had to rewrite like the whole thing because everything yeah. was like reportedly this, allegedly that. It's like, right, remove, remove, remove. That's confirmed, right? Move that further up. And it was like, it was it was so frantic and fast. But, uh, you know, hat, almost hats off to them for like, do you know what? There was no point. I, I, th- I think they even acknowledged this. Like their tweet was, well, there's no point holding back anymore. Xbox Series S, 299 out November. And it's like, uh, yeah, fair play. Like they, they had their, their hand forced by a leak and they're just like, right, screw it let's just go for it then here we go here's the announcement yeah phil spencer said in a tweet in in one spot that this announcement was actually planned for uh next week which by the time you're listening to this it will be this week but yeah so the following week basically it it, all things considered i think it kind of went pretty well for microsoft though like if if you're gonna have your your stuff leaked they you know they had the the s um unveiled and the price on the one day and then the next day, they did the the Series X and the All Access announcement or the EA Play announcement, um, and it it really did kind of make everyone talk about the momentum that Microsoft had going into the next gen uh, for the entire week. 
we we thought Sony might answer, and and they they just kind of they were like, no, still still not yet. It was it's good because uh, I I felt I mean yeah, you can't ever really judge these things, but I felt that um, Xbox was on the bit of a back foot after the Halo. After their, after their last video where people criticized Halo and how it looked and there was confusion over over the over their policies around Xbox One support and then Halo got delayed and it felt like it felt like uh, it just felt like Xbox obviously priorities are different but it still felt like the the, the strategy had changed and and then to go from that position to the one they're in now it, it's a it's a twist everyone loves a console twist um and now it's and now it, it, it's not finished yet it's now playstation's move but i it, it's a it was a very strong response um i did a little op-ed where um particularly with xbox we've never had this before i mean unless brendan will prove say something because brendan got a better memory than me but i i've never i don't recall a, a, a new generation launching with sort of a high-end version and a low-end version um at launch before i i it feels you know i think a lot of people expect the people to come out and buy a console at launch are the tech heads who um you know or, or the real hardcore fans that are happy to drop whatever on it but um but um uh to you know who is the s4 is there, is there really an audience of people that um will want that over the x at launch uh, are those the sort of people that buy a console at launch i mean i'm not saying that i'm not doubting that there is one i we, we don't know we've never seen it before and i think that for me that's fascinating and um and a little bit exciting and really hard to predict but it, it's it's i think i you know it feels like xbox is sort of ripping up the the rule book a little bit you know it's killer app isn't halo it's it's a subscription service and it's hardware strategy is completely different to anything we've seen before it's it's um yeah, it was, it was a really exciting week. Hello, I'm the audience. <laughs> well, no, 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 I know, and I know. Well, but here, here's the thing. I I think. I mean, this is this is weird, like speculation. You're you're right that it is it is a little bit we don't know. Like we haven't quite seen this before. But I I think that if there was a year to do it, this was the year to do it, right? Um, because there is going to be. This has been a hard year for for everybody, and there is still you know a a collection of people who might be be very interested in going in on a new console right at launch. Like that's something they would have done in any normal year. Um, but uh, money's hard for a lot of people right now. And I think the prospect of having a cheaper entry into next gen right out of the gate is going to be more appealing for a lot of people than it would have been, you know, potentially any other year. But I, I think it's appealing. It's an appealing offer anyway. Like I... I like the idea of not necessarily having to dump $500 to start playing next-gen games right away, but still having mm. that visa $300 feels like some like like a Christmas gift to myself, like something that I could save up for and afford and like like make reasonable. $500 seems like oof, I I don't know, that's a lot. And the best thing about that Rebecca yeah. is that you don't even have to pay um like, you know, $50 for the game or $60 for the game. Uh, yeah. On top of that, you can get the Game Pass. No, I, I think you're right. I think there is a post-pandemic economy um, or te- still pandemic economy that um, um, uh, uh, that that makes this very appealing. I think it's interesting because I, I obviously come from it. I look at market data and I sort of go, oh, but this is the type of audience you get. But then I think to myself, before I was in the games industry and I and I, and I bought every games console that well, I try to when they come out. Um, uh, I um I only bought Nintendo consoles. Um and if I, in this generation, in theory, I'd have been a Switch owner. I'd have had a Switch for three and a bit years. And the idea of buying an Xbox, I don't need the fancy Xbox. I don't need the Super 4K high end one. I just want to play some of those 
rare games or or, or um, some classic Halo games, or this is actually quite appealing to me, um, I'll buy the low end version. You're right. You know that that audience might have even been me in you know if I if I never entered um, the games industry like I have. So you're right. I, I, the point my only my only, my only sentence is I'm not quite sure how big that audience is. There are definitely some people who would buy it, and it's uh, IH uh, not IHS. Um, I've forgotten who he works for now. Piers Harding Rolls um, predicted that there'll be some people that will actually downgrade now. The people who are planning on getting an X that will go, actually, I'm going to get an S now because I don't have a 4K TV or whatever. Um, but he thinks that overall it will, it will result in more people coming in, which is, I know, that's, I, it definitely appealed to somebody. I, I don't, but the, my only, honestly, I don't know the audience. I sort of, I don't know how big that is. Um, and it might be huge. It might be really significant. It feels different. I wonder if it's it's more, rather than like, it's one big audience that we haven't really thought about. I wonder if it's it's a smattering of smaller audiences that that make up a larger mm. audience when combined. So it's people like Rebecca. It's people like myself who is like, you know what? I don't my my t- my TV is not even worth not even worthy of my Xbox One X. There is no point in me getting a Series X because I just will. I do not have the TV to take advantage of it. So maybe I'll go for a for a, a Series S. It's for. Going back to what you were saying, Chris, like, you know, typically that 299 price point, that's something we see mid-generation when it's usually kind of deployed, right? Here's a cheaper, smaller model to get the people who still don't want to buy that higher-end model, who still haven't bought into our, our ecosystem, bought into our console. Here's another buy-in point kind of mid-cycle because we know that kind of launch interest or people who are interested in the main product is starting to wane now. It's for them, it's potentially gifters. Um, I saw a lot of people kind of, again, playing on what you were saying, I've seen a lot of people on the day that it was announced suggesting this is being positioned as a perfect second console. Like you say, like there are going to be people who already have a Switch or who who plan to get a PS5. This makes an Xbox much more affordable. And again, with that value you get from Game Pass, like actually, you know, it, it, I don't want to say only 299 because I don't think you can use the word only with any trip triple figure sum but it's more affordable to get a second console if that second console isn't 500 pounds um so i think it's i think it's a mix of audiences like and and it's interesting that they're 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 targeting everyone in one hit like i said like you know the 299 price point is usually a mid-cycle thing for right we're losing momentum on the main product so let's have a hardware refresh not only kind of uh interest people who perhaps want a, a slightly updated console and already have the current one but for those who never got the console or for those who want to gift the console or whatever like those people who have yet to buy an xbox rather than waiting two three years to appeal to those people they're just doing it from day one which i find it's a really interesting weird move. the way perceptions change in this industry because james you said a couple of times there are 299 price points usually a mid-cycle thing but like the xbox 360 launched i think with the 299 uh no hard drive model right or was it even cheaper it was 249 or 299 i think so. uh, I did. sony of course so so there's actually there's an interesting piece on there's an interesting piece on kotaku where they've actually listed like all the different um all the different prices of each each model, um, and then adjusted it for current yeah inflation. So that's yeah. always so a fun one. I, maybe I don't I don't mean two nine nine. I mean a a that lower price yeah. point, the lower not two nine nine specifically, but the lower price point is usually a mid cycle thing rather than a day one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so yeah, but yes, thank you for correcting on that because you're right, you're right. Two nine nine. I mean, Christ, that's more than the original Wii was. But we've we've had um, one generation where everyone was like, oh yeah, we're just going, what, 400 to, to start? Four or five? Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, the Switch even was 299, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, 
two nine nine or two seven yeah. nine. I can't remember. Which. Our perceptions of value are always always changing. Like when you know, it didn't take very long for people to get used to sixty dollar games uh, after the three sixty came out, and now, I mean, this time next year, you know, seventy dollars might be the the absolute standard, and it'll feel like you know that's the way it always was. This kind of stuff, uh, it takes hold pretty quickly, I think. And like you said, I think that's been emphasized by the fact that not only did we have a uh, $400 um, generation last time around from day one, or $499, then we had that mid-cycle um, $400, kind of re-emphasizing that price point with PS4 Pro and Xbox Series, Xbox One X, sorry, name confusion, Xbox One X and PS4 Pro re-emphasized that, hey, new console, $500, please. Yeah, we've been moving to smartphone kind of models and in so much like the the all access plan is basically like a, a smartphone um contract right two years paying a little bit for the hardware every month um I've, I've seen some people say it's not that different from layaway but i mean in this case particularly with all access i think the the sum total you pay over two years is actually slightly less than what you would pay for the console and then a full price 15 dollar a month game pass mm. ultimate subscription so it's like that's different. The, the the pace of iteration on the hardware is different. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you really what the difference is between a, a Galaxy S9 and a Galaxy S10 or whatever they've got now. Um, but like they they come out every year and they're a little bit more powerful, a little bit better, and people still buy them. And you just kind of jump in whenever you want. And on top of that, we've got the the kind of content distribution models from from you know smartphones uh th- things like you know Net- netflix spot spotify subscription models like that where you you're not really owning the content you're just kind of getting access to it and those are taking hold in gaming and microsoft has kind of seen all these all these trends and patterns uh in in the way people consume other kinds of content and they're just kind of adapting them to the game's industry and that is i mean that feels like the story of the generation for microsoft to me is like how how well these these tactics will map to, to video games and right now i think it's they i think it looks somewhat hopeful i just think microsoft actually needs you know some some first party games to really yeah sell people on on things yeah well that's that's that fascinates me and I, I know we've spoken about this on the podcast before because there has all access has existed before and um you know you can always get consoles on finance and interest-free finance and stuff but obviously the difference here is the subscription to game pass that's where it turns those offerings which never really made much of a difference into something that um now feels like a normal contract like you're 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 you're, you're subscribing to games and here's a means for you to here's the distribution device for you to play those games um again like i, I don't know how popular that will be um and this is great you know I, I sort of in way it feels like um someone's trying to really upset the um the uh, uh uh sort of the way consoles have been for a while and it's it's you know playstation are doing things that are very conventional um and that's that's you know that might be the that might be the right thing but um uh and you know why wouldn't they do that considering it's worked for them for so long 
But um, I think for Xbox here, you know, there's a chance that they could be doing something that will... Maybe we're seeing, like, the birth of the PlayStation here or, or, you know, something that went in and just changed everything. Um, or maybe we're not. Maybe we're just seeing everyone's going to say, oh, it's just a PC under the TV, under the, under the TV, and I don't play enough games to justify subscribing. Um, yeah, it's... Um, it's an interesting, uh, interesting time. Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. I think it's going to answer an interesting question for me, at least, as to you know how when people buy a new console, whether it's at launch or down the line, when people buy a new console, are they doing it for one or two very specific games, or are they doing it because they just want to play games? like in general, right? Because kind of looking at it now, right? And this is this is again, like very anecdotal. This is just sort of what's going on in my brain because I, so I, I'm kind of in a weird situation, right? Like I, I write about games for a living. I have a gaming PC, I have a Switch, um, but I, I haven't owned a new Xbox or PlayStation ever in my life. I had a PS4 very, very briefly, um, but that for various reasons, I, I no longer have that. So it's, I'm looking at this and this is kind of the first time that I've, I've been looking at these two consoles and trying to decide, okay, I want to pick one, which one do I pick? I don't have a history in either one. And I'm looking at them and I'm, th- I'm thinking, okay, if I, if I got the PS5, I would, be pl- I would be paying more for it and I would, but I would be able to get, I, I don't know, like what, like Ratchet and Clank or Demon Souls or w- whatever their launch game is. I, I don't know what, what their launch game is, but so if I was someone who was really, really interested in one of their launch titles, one of their big exclusives, then that would make sense for me, right? But when I think about it with with Xbox, I get it and I get Game Pass and yeah, I'm not going to be able to play Demon Souls or Ratchet and Clank or whatever, but there are going to be so many other mm. games through Game Pass, games that I don't even know exist right now, right? Like I'm going to be going through Game Pass and I'm going to like find all these things I did not know existed and I'm going to have, realistically, I'm going to have just as much if not more fun with those games than whatever game I already have my eyes on. So I, I don't know if that's necessarily a calculus that someone's going to be doing when they're, you know, thinking about you know, just like walking into a store thinking about, you know, what console they want to buy specifically. Like if they see Demon Souls and they want that, then that's what they're going to get. But I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting to see if it, if it bears out that in the end people just, you know, want to play a whole bunch of games. And if Xbox is going to give them access to just a whole bunch of games, then you know, oh, yeah. that's, that's what they want. Yeah. It's interesting. I've got, um, obviously got an Xbox One X and there aren't, and I love it. And I play Sea of Thieves. I don't know if I've mentioned it before on it quite a bit. Although I haven't recently, actually. But um, the um, uh, uh, I'm not probably not going to rush out to get an Xbox because there isn't anything on there at the moment that I'm like, well, I really want to play that. Um, I'm probably not going to rush out to buy either because um, uh, it costs a lot of money. But the, um, the, the PlayStation 5 it does appeal more to me because of Ratchet, because of Spider-Man primarily. I am a very much uh, influenced by the game and uh, the business model is sort of... But I know that that's not... You know, this we're not talking about uh, me. It's it's it's, it's it. But the only thing is, I uh, the only question is, I mean, obviously we haven't spoken about EA coming into Game Pass, which I think is a bit of a killer move, killer app move for Game Pass. There, that's added in a load of really big AAA games um, into that service. And I guess the thing is, it all seems very consumer friendly. It's very positive. It might cause a big surge in Xbox users. I do wonder the long-term impact of this. And I know we've spoken about it before, but we don't touch upon it very very much. But what all subscriptions actually mean for the business model of video games going forward? Like when when we get to the point where Game Pass starts to cannibalize sales and sort of sufficient sort of back-end remuneration, you know, of uh, of Xbox paying for some of this stuff stops to stop starts to stop i mean how willing will game developers be to sort of sign up to the service and by that point will 
will they not really have much of an option? Um, I'm, I'm a little, you know, could this, could this, if this whole thing really, ups, I'm sort of deviating off quite a bit, um, but if this, um, if this, uh, if this model really does work, it really catches on, and we're seeing a change point coming here. Um, what does that mean for the rest of the industry? And, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure if it will be good for it, um, it, or at least for certain studios anyway. But it's definitely good for consumers, and it's potentially good for um, Microsoft too. It's a poison chalice. It's it, it looks good now. There are some some developers that are getting, you know, uh, a nice, reliable, upfront payday from going into a subscription service like this. But I, I, you look at look at the model, and you look at what Spotify pays artists on its service. You you look at uh, how little people on Netflix really know about the performance and the value of their of their films, like how much it actually matters to Netflix to have them included. And it's, I, I see things like this as, as um, they're attractive from a consumer point of view for sure. But I think they water down and just dilute the value of the actual content involved. And that only certainly hurts developers and publishers, basically anyone that's not the platform holder in the long run. Uh, consumers might still wind up being like, yeah, I'll pay my 10 bucks a month or whatever. And then just, you know, take whatever, whatever slop the platform holder decides I can have access to, uh, this month. But Mm. I, I, I don't think in the long run, it's good for, for publishers or developers to, for these things to take off. Brendan, I, I guess I have a question for you in light of that. Do you think that Sony is going to follow suit in some way in the sense that they are going to provide some kind of prom- better promotion of the ki- the kinds of services they have to offer, right? Like, so right, right now- Are they going to start think, caring uh, about PlayStation uh, now? <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I mean, yeah. Are they going to either start caring about PlayStation now or bump it up or rebrand it or- do something with it to go with the launch of PS5 that is going to matter. Because right now, I I barely think about PlayStation now. I know it exists. I see free games coming out for it occasionally. But, like, I, I, I don't think about it. I think about Xbox Game Pass if I think about that kind of thing. And right now, as as I think Chris may have said much earlier in the discussion, they're, they're relying on a very, very traditional, you know, console release model, it seems. You know, they're, they're launching their console. It's going to cost a, an amount of dollars, and they're going to have some exclusives for it um and i'm curious that especially since microsoft appears to be making these kinds of moves are they going to try to follow suit or you know keep doing their current thing so this is a problem uh i think pretty much everywhere but in games particularly is that the industry leaders um don't really try and rock the boat they don't they'll you know of course they'll say they'll innovate and they'll have something or other but like things are working pretty well for them. So they're, they're not going to try and disrupt a market that they control. Um, it's, it's always, you know, the, the platform that, that came in second last time or third that decides to do something off the wall. And that really shakes up things up. Um, Nintendo follows up the GameCube with the Wii. Um, Microsoft follows up the original Xbox where they got, destroyed by Sony with the Xbox 360 and they, they lean hard into the online part of that. They go cheaper than Sony and that, that gives them, you know, a foothold. 
uh, while Sony, their market leader, does PS3 because it's just full on its own success and thinks it can get away with charging 600 bucks for a console. And and it's it's I think it's going to take you know some some humbling uh, of Sony right now in order for them to like to really lean into that. You know, it's, it's, Microsoft is going to have to show that this is a not just like a viable strategy, but this is where things are undoubtedly heading. And then once Sony is convinced of that through Microsoft success, then they follow suit, I think. But I, I don't I don't expect Sony next week to, you know, announce that suddenly all of their first party titles will be day and date in Nine. in PlayStation now. So I've I've obviously done a few interviews with Sony and I've actually I talked to them about this a couple of times and they kind of dismiss it a little bit. But um, in the interview that probably the most revealing one we did last year with Jim Ryan, he did say that the whole reason they've restructured PlayStation is because they is to enable them to be able to move quickly if disruption happens. So they have PlayStation now. They already have a user base, it's a small one, nothing compared to Game Pass, but they have a user base. Um, they even have a, a streaming service that you know not again probably won't be as robust as xCloud, but they've got that. And um, what they'll do is, as Brendan says, they won't rock the boat. You know, it's working for them. They're selling consoles at expensive prices and they're selling um, games at $60 a pop and they're selling in them tens of millions. Um, so they won't want to change that. It works. You know, it works for them. They know what they're building. They know what they're doing. This is working. Xbox is one that's trying something new. The truth is, it sounds exciting, but we don't actually know if this is going to work. We don't know if, you know, it's point Series S is still not cheap. I mean, it's cheap for an next-gen console, but it's not cheap. And um, and also Game Pass, it's got to 10 million subscribers. And I said this in my, in my op-ed, can it get to 20 million? Can it get to 30 million? Um, Strauss Selnick made a point a couple of years ago now when he talked about subscriptions, where in their data take two have is the majority of console owners play two, one, two games a year. So if that's the case, Call of Duty and Madden, Madden for you and FIFA for us, you know, it's, it's uh, right. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's just like, like that, you know, and when the investment summit yesterday, uh, not yesterday, it was the Wednesday one we did. Um, there was uh, somebody, somebody said, look, everyone says PlayStation is a hundred million owners, but let's be honest, 80 million of those are just playing FIFA and, Ma- and uh, Call of Duty every year. And, um, and that's, and I think that's, um, I think that's a point, you know, who are there? Enough. Pe- well, Xbox is saying this is going to unlock new audiences, and this is going to they're going to result in more games being played, and all this kind of thing. And it might they might do, but it's unproven. We don't know. So PlayStation sort of taking that big bet that Xbox is taking. They don't need to do that. They can watch Xbox take it. They can sit there and accrue the millions of people who have PS4s into the PS5 ecosystem. And if it, if it's moving slower than they expected, if Xbox's stuff is doing better than they had anticipated, if there's sign of um, a real shift in model. PlayStation do have the bits in place that they could, you know, after six months, a year, whatever, say, okay, now we're day and date in PlayStation. Now we're switching our business around. We're doing this. They've gotten themselves into a position where at least they can make that change and make it quickly if they want to. Um, I don't, but, you know, as Brendan says, I I really don't expect them to do that at launch. I think they'll bank on their um, whatever big game they can get out in time for Christmas. And... um, and uh, put, you know, and it being in trying to convince as many PS4 owners, of which there's a huge number, like more than double the number of Xbox One owners, to um, to come across to the platform. And let's, and let's not forget, Xbox isn't doing a great deal to convince people to move from Xbox One uh, to 
series x s or x just yet you know they, they don't have it they're not giving people a killer app or a killer reason you've got to switch consoles now because you can play the new halo or the best version of the new halo they've not done anything to do that yet so i i do still expect playstation to have the best start and therefore um they're still sort of in the prime position but yeah i but i i they, they won't they won't they won't rock the boat Awkward silence. was stunned by uh, Chris's very good points there. Um, How about that EA Play? Oh, I can't wait! Oh, wow. I can't wait to load up Madden NFL 16 and just an NHL 16 and NBA 15. Oh, if they even made an NBA game that year. I'm sorry, um, EA Play has like they're like there's no, but there's 60 or 70 games in there, but like you know, fully half of them are just old sports games that I mean. Some people want to play them, and yeah, you may as well pad out your catalog with that. I mean, we literally just got done saying that the two games people play every year are Call of Duty and Sports Game. Right, but current sports game. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Although Madden twenty is a big deal. Madden twenty is in EA Play, so at some point during its year of relevance, these things will come to the to EA Play. So. Okay, let's let's take a look. What's what's on EA Play? I want I want. I, I, I did have a quick I had, look. I had a look through the other night. Like, I, there's ten or so games that I'm interested in, but they're like back catalog ones that I never got going forward. So it's like Mirror's Edge Catalyst, uh, Dragon Age, or uh, Dragon Age Two. Some of the Need for Speed. This is uh, this kind of speaks to something we kind of touched on earlier. Like um, EA EA Play for me really kind of speaks to like the the shift in consumer behavior towards. Or some consumer behavior towards games via subscription. So there are there are like ten or so games. So what? Like that's 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 a you know okay. one that's a sixth a sixth of the the EA Play library is games that I would like to play but did not buy. Now the question that I find myself asking is why did I not buy them then if I did not want if I want to play them? Like why why do I see the value of those games? Because so there's so many games. There's so there's, many there games. are so many. There's a lot of games I want to play right now, but I can only play at a four and one at a time. And so having having access to that if I, if the if the two constraints are I have to buy them and I don't have a lot of time, having a game pass with EA Play on it immediately eliminates one of those constraints. Yeah. I mean the other one's still there and I gotta figure it out, but yeah. No, I just opened it up. Look, they've got NHL, FIFA, and Madden twenty one on there right now. Star Wars Squadrons is coming to it. Well I think um, I think I, if I look at those that, trials right, though, I think I think I think they, are they trials? Yeah, new games there's their trials of up to ten hours, oh, I believe. Oh this marketing. No. <laughs> They're tricking me. But you know what? I'm I'm kind of okay with that to an extent because <laughs> demos. I miss demos. So if I if I've got EA play through Game Pass and I can play up to ten hours of Star Wars Squadrons, or probably five hours, I don't know, it depends on how long the game is. If I can play up to ten hours of a new EA, EA game that I want to buy, but how I'm not really sure about Five to ten hours is a good window for me to judge, yes, this is worth of my money, I will save up and I will buy this. I miss demos that confirm, yes, I, I have played enough of this to know that I want to buy this, I will I will make that investment. And so I'm kind of okay with trials, I don't mind that. I think it's definitely like, you know, sneaky marketing, not highlighting that it's a trial, but... Bummed that I don't get all of the Sims 4 expansion packs by having it on a <laughs> subscription service, but I guess that would be too much to ask. No, but okay, real talk, though. It's it's kind of wild that EA is just 
throwing it in there for free? Yeah. Like, is that is that weird? Is that surprising? Well, it won't, be, it won't be for free. They'll have got a lot of money from Microsoft for this, right? Well, I'm, yes. I'm, but... I'm trying to work out. There's only two. I, I, I know less about this stuff than you guys. Like, I always sit here during the podcast, and I, I sit quietly because you guys make a lot better points than I do. But I see this. I can see only two reasons why EA are doing this. Either selling a subscription is too hard because... As, as people were saying during the investment summit, we're getting to the stage where more and more people are going to be setting up their own um, subscription services. PlayStation's got PlayStation Now. Xbox has got Xbox Game Pass. EA had EA Play. Ubisoft's got Uplay Plus. Uh, Nintendo's got Nintendo Switch Online, albeit that's retro games. That's not um, more 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 recent titles. Like, And we've seen in TV streaming, it gets to the point where there are so, so many subscription services that not everyone is going to be able to subscribe to all of them. And I think in that environment, the publishers are the ones who miss out because they have less variety. Case in point, half your library are sports games, EA. So they're either doing this because it's hard to sell a subscription on its own, particularly in the face of competition with something like Game Pass, or... They are doing this like for a year, maybe two years, and then there will be a whole, right, EA players leaving Game Pass, and those who are interested in, in or, or in, invested in those games in terms of time and commitment and so forth will then think, right, well, I'll pick up an EA Play subscription. Well, I don't know how that would, that be, would be. People would be so no. mad. They well, would, yeah. that, that, That's not unusual behaviour, though. I mean, you know, Spotify gets bundled in with Netflix and then eventually mm. it separates apart. You know, these things... These things do get, you know, they, they, these things offers are often temporary. Um, but also, it's worth... There's also another element of this. Xbox has 10 million people in Game Pass. And um, at, that's at least... Uh, probably way more than that now, because that was like almost like early lockdown. Yeah. You know? So... Um, I think that was a yeah, yeah yeah you're right it was it actually. was it was it was might might even been pre lockdown it was definitely it's probably bigger now much bigger and if you're EA and you think you know what we're going to reboot Need for Speed next year let's uh, get Need for Speed you know James just listed a load of EA games that he was interested in but didn't play but if he got Game Pass he'll play them well that's a wonderful new audience for EA to tap into um, and sort of promote its products to so that you know you know you've now got EA play James and you're playing Star Wars Squadron for a few hours you might you might result in bigger sales it's a wonderful marketing play and in addition to that a lot of these games have you know it's EA they've all got microtransactions yeah. right you know and there was a time I know it's a little different now that pre-owned has largely fade away but I remember I remember back when Peter Moore was in the industry he used to say there was no back catalogue business to EA because all of its games stopped selling after a few months because of pre-owned and I know that's a little different now with digital but I suspect back catalogue is still not a huge part I mean it's still I think it is actually a huge part but I'm I'm, I'm sure it's not they're not expecting a a huge detrimental impact upon its back catalogue business as a result of this and in fact what they're doing is reaching new people through Xbox Um, and I think that's potentially um, uh, uh, an exciting time for EA and the thing is EA actually you know, EA is one of the very few games... Content's so important. And EA is one of the few games companies that actually has so much content going back so many years. It also publishes indie games. You know, it's got tons of indie games on its platform. Um, so it, it it has the potential... It, had the, it actually was a company that has the potential to compete with Microsoft on this front, more so than Google, who don't really have any games. Um, but... Um, yeah. But um, it doesn't have the technology, which is the the, the down point. The down point. But you know, I, I think it's I think it's a big deal to have these big games: Star Wars, Need for Speed, Battlefront, um, Battlefield. Sorry, um, uh, and Titanfall Two. Sort of I can finally play yeah. Titanfall Two. Yeah. Titanfall. Well, and I, and I mean, we can we can you know knock your old sports games, but 
There is a not small percentage of people who play the older sports games for a really long time. Oh yeah, I like, used to, it's. I used to only buy one a generation. You know, I don't need a FIFA every year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. Um, yeah, it's it, there. There is a value there for a lot of people. Mm. So EA is a games as a service publisher, and those yeah. those titles work on engagement and user base size. Just get lots of people playing and have them play for as long as possible. And it's basically a free to play publisher's model. But this is a way to kind of edge towards free to play without actually making Madden free to play because they still sell a ton of copies each year. And, like, it makes sense for me um, to see EA do this just from that perspective because we're going to hit the point mm. where it's not the initial sale that that they're, you know, counting on making their money on anyways. It, it's kind of been trending away from that over the last decade. And, yeah, this, this seems like a... I mean, I, I, I look at what EA is doing and I'm like, why wouldn't they do it? More so than why would they? Hmm. Hey, more video games. Yeah, well, let's be honest. It's all very exciting, but Mario's out next it week. It is. And, uh, um, and that's my that's my. No, year Mario's on. this week. Mario's this week. Mario's next uh, this week that the, uh, the 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 week that this episode airs. Sorry, this week. <gasps> As this episode airs, we are just days away from revisiting oh. 1996. Mario Sunshine. Yes, that's my. I'm going on holiday. I'm finally taking a holiday. Uh, on the. I'm proud uh, of you, Chris. On the. Uh, so okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer Dringo's inevitable Nintendo tangent back sort of onto topic. Oh okay. And this is this is pipe dream talking. Yes. Will we ever see a Nintendo subscription service? I don't. Th- I I can't imagine we will. There already like, is one. There, I know there, there is, is one. There is one, but it's retro games. I'm talking like because there's so so much I want to play what, on my what Switch. What do you want, James? I, NES games, all that you could play. I want I, every obscure NES game. <laughs> I want to be able to play like because the trouble with Nintendo games is they they never release anything at less than full price. So it's hard to keep up with all their first party, and they release more first party releases than either Sony or or Microsoft. And I love their first party releases. So I've got yeah I, okay. I bought um, you know Zelda and Mario Odyssey, and I've got Super Mario Maker, and I've got Mario Kart. But I want to try Paper Mario and Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity and Fire Emblem and all these other ones. And I want a, a Game Pass for Switch titles, and I know it's not going to happen. Well, I, I, Ninte- to. I mean, I think Nintendo is. You know, I think Nintendo Switch Online does have the ambition not to be not not new games, but to have a like a far more. From the original pitch that I I saw about Switch Online was it was going to include all of Nintendo's back catalogue. Like it wasn't just SNES and NES. It was going to have N sixty four and GameCube. I think it went up to GameCube, and um and it GameCube and um and uh, and they obviously scaled that back to a few NES games. And they're slowly but surely adding to it in a in a very. It's, it's the virtual slow. console model, isn't yeah. it? Drip feeding no. games over years. Yeah, I guess make it. I guess the, James, I don't think. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say I don't think Nintendo ever do it there because they're a toy company. They they're 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 like they're a Disney. They they're about mm. they're about branding. They're about and you know this is this is the we're all talking about how exciting it is that you know you know. Uh, you're talking about pricing you know there's a new Mario Kart where if you want to play multiplayer on it you have to pay 200 pounds <laughs> um, yeah. and it's um, it's and don't be wrong it looks great but it, it's it's so Nintendo uh, uh, they're, they're a Lego they're a, they're a toy manufacturer they they charge things at full price they they make theme parks they do toys they do movies now as well it's that's the 
Nintendo of the future, I think. That's the direction they're going in rather than the, the service-based stuff. Although that is still an option for them because they are building that up. James, I will say to to the thing that you desire, I do think that Nintendo in the last year or so has started to be better about releasing demos, free demos on the eShop for more of its first-party titles. Um, not all of them, uh, but I, I feel like I've I've played or at least been aware of more game demos than before. I guess the first and third third party, because I played a what did I play a demo of? Uh, Bravely Default two a while back, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I've seen a load of demos yeah. and stuff. I actually um, yes. I actually find it, you know, James is uh, saying Nintendo released too much. Uh, but if you go on a Nintendo forum right now, James, that is not <laughs> the conclusion. Um, yeah, Honestly, true. James, just, just, go to, just go to Twitter and, and tw- type the words, Nintendo has released too many games lately and tweet it and just... Do you know what? I'm going to do that now. I'm going to do that now. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, bear with me. You two are commanding yourselves. <laughs> Wait, are you really doing it? Of course it? I, am. I do. I do. I do feel for Nintendo sometimes. Oh, I mean, I don't think I'm. I don't really because they're a corporate. Uh, no, a they company. have so much money. Yeah, and I don't really feel so but, much money but, this year. But I, I, I jump. I happen to know it because I'm a Nintendo fan. The only forum I ever go on is a Nintendo forum, and you'll get one forum <laughs> post about how Nintendo are terrible because all they do is ports, and then the next post down will be what ports would you like to see on Switch? Um, and both of them have got hundreds of thousands of people getting very excited and very angry in equal measure um, and um, and you just you get it all the time um, I remember just before um, the, if you went on Nintendo Life which is our sister site I went on there and there was all these rumours about the Mario uh, uh, trilogy of get 3D games being announced and there was all these people saying it will never happen VGC is wrong this is never going to happen because uh, Nintendo would never be so generous as to package three games together <laughs> Nintendo would charge would release them all three separately at full price they would never do it and then when they did it the response was how dare they not put galaxy 2 into this they're ripping us off <laughs> <laughs> and i went wow um, fandom, i'm sure they're all yeah. different people fandom is yeah. <laughs> it's poison it's a cancer it's a rot nintendo's had to like very specifically start like like from the beginning of the year towards the end of the year as they've announced their nintendo directs or trailers they they've had to change their strategy for many reasons but one of the things they've had to start doing is like preliminarily tweet and be like this direct is going to be about a handful of third-party titles that are you know not connected to x y or z so that people don't you know scream at them about metroid it still doesn't work um, it still doesn't work. <laughs> I look now because now the point they're not even announcing the directs. They said, "Here it is." Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing for you to get excited about anyway. You don't have a chance. How well do we think they they stand to fare this Christmas? Um, you know, this holiday. I ask that because obviously, like you know, the the discussion all all, all year has been about Xbox Series X slash S. PS5, um, and you know, we now know that Xbox Series X and S are arriving on November 10th. We kind of assume that PlayStation will be arriving around the same time, if not, say, a week before, then certainly within November before Thanksgiving. Nintendo has no kind of hardware release or anything this year because they're obviously completely off-kilter in terms of um, console cycles, but they've got Mario arriving this week, uh, which is limited time only. is only available till March. They've got a £200 Mario Kart arriving next month. They've got a Breath of the Wild prequel that no one really kind of knew about, albeit a, a, a Warriors game rather than an actual Zelda game. There's more Pokemon DLC, I believe, and Animal uh-huh. Crossing is still selling well. It's not looking like a shabby Christmas for them, is it? Well, I don't know. Um, 
I no look. I said at the beginning of this year. I so I'm not an analyst. I am bad at doing analyst things. But um, we had some predictions in our in our 2020 predictions article that Nintendo was definitely going to release a pro this year. And there were a lot of people not in that predictions article who were like, yeah, they're going to release the Switch Pro and like Breath of the Wild 2. It's going to be a big year for them. And I have been on the train since last year. I'm pretty sure I'm on a podcast saying that is a silly idea. They're not going to be doing that because it's a console launch year. Like they have no need or reason to attempt to compete with these console launches with one, a new system, but also a bunch of big exclusives. Mm. Like they don't, they don't need to. They're so, fine so, with Animal Crossing and with, with the things that they have currently. They can, like, hold on to their stuff for next year when, like, the hype has died down and people are, you know, not dumping several hundred dollars on new consoles. They can ride for a year. It's fine. And, and, I, and I agree. And I I agreed. I, I, guess it, I actually thought there was a chance that those two things would come out. I think more of a hope than anything else. But I actually agreed. Like, there's no need. They're not, they're not competing with those two platforms in the strictest sense. They, I mean, all entertainment competes. But... Um, uh, but in terms of this year, looking, looking, not looking too shabby for them, I think it does look a bit shabby. Like we, we talk about con- console sales, like there's going to be people going to buy lots of Switches. People are buying lots of Switches now. Nintendo can't release them fast enough. And there is, you know, the Mario Kart isn't actually £200. It's £100, but yeah, it's only a single player game if you only have one cart. But um, the, um, the, 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 thing that, the thing for me is that they don't have a, they don't, every year since the Switch, they've released a very, very big game at Christmas, right? Whether it's uh, Odyssey in year one, then it was Smash Brothers, um, and then it was uh, uh, Pokemon, I think. And, and it's, they've sold extremely well, like 20, you know, 10, 15, close to 20 million. They, they, they've, they've sold astronomically well. This Christmas, they don't have a game that's going to do that. Um, Mario might do pretty well, I think, initially, um, but they're very much going down the nostalgia route um Hyrule Warriors I mean the Breath of the Wild uh prequel thing yeah it'll do all right I think but it, it's a warrior it's a it's a very it's a certain style of game that's not necessarily in keeping with it I, there's not there's not even a Luigi's Mansion Pikmin meh. you know the, these games aren't going to sell tens of millions of copies like Nintendo have been releasing at Christmas they don't have a killer Christmas title that's going to dominate so it will be Animal Crossing that will probably be the bi- their biggest game of Christmas it's their biggest game of the year and I think that will probably continue but I th- they'll have a good Christmas um, they've got a lot of big games out there they'll sell lots of hardware lots of people want switches um, they've got they've just announced the Fortnite special edition which times nicely with the fact that people can't play Fortnite on oh well they can but you know it... yeah well no they surely had that in the works for a while but that yeah. timing whew. yeah so they've, they've got things that will sell consoles this year and it'll be a different audience you know we're talking the people that will want a ps5 and xbox series s or x at launch are not the sort of people who are necessarily um i mean there will be an overlap but they're not necessarily the sort of people that would normally wait four years or three and a half years to buy a nintendo machine so there's a different you know it's a different market I'd, but um i think shabby is still a bit uncharitable though i mean nintendo i'm talking commercially I'm not, I wasn't so much, no, I, no, I, even, I'm quite excited by the game. Even commercially, like, I, I think if Nintendo can uh, weather a, a holiday lineup like this, like, it would be this year um, for sure. And, and it'll, I think it'll still do uh, perfectly well. Everything there, like, you've got a Mario Kart, you've got a Zelda, you've got a Mario they aren't the ones that you necessarily, you know, want. They're not the, the ones that people are going to, you know, build a holiday lineup around. Uh, but they're they're all there, and it's it's going to keep 
doing well. They've been selling all year, yeah. even with a pretty light release slate. Um, and oh, I, 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 to be, I, I sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to imply Nintendo were going to do badly at Christmas. They're absolutely not. Um, they've done. They're going to have an amazing year. They're going to beat their targets. Like there's reports of them trying to massively increase their shipments. I, I believe that they're not wrong to do that. And if they really wanted to, they could make All Stars. 3D All-Stars, like a real big game if they really wanted to. They don't seem to be doing doing that at the moment, but maybe they, they'll decide to go down that route because, you know, the last All-Stars, which admittedly was in the 90s, one of their biggest ever games. So um, I, I do think they're going to have a relatively decent Christmas. I just meant from a... They don't have that one big game that'll do like 50, 10 million copies in a month. You know, what that's would you have wanted? Moment. Like Metroid? No, no, I don't. We're, not, we're so far enough into the generation well, I, where there's they've hit all of their once-a-generation franchises pretty much. Yeah. And there's only so much more that you can really do. Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be a little bit later, but like what's... What's really left? I, oh, I think no. they can they can have a, an incredibly successful uh, Christmas just from from people who bought the Switch this year, going back and buying the Mario Kart, buying Mario Odyssey, you know, buying the yeah. stuff they missed. No, no, I agree. The point no. that I was trying the point that I was trying to make earlier is that that was this was always going to be that year for Nintendo. Like COVID nineteen delays aside, like this was always going to be just kind of a chill year for them. Like. I, I know, I, I agree with what Chris said, they aren't trying to compete with Xbox and Sony, but they still kind of are just in the sense that in a year when everybody is thinking about new consoles and, you know, whatever games are coming up for those new consoles, there is going to be a significant portion of their consumer base that is going to be thinking a little bit less about Nintendo. And so this was a perfect year to sort of, you know, take it a little bit easier and have not have the the big Christmas release that Chris is talking about and sort of, you know, stockpile their stuff and get some things in development and, you know, build up to next year. So I... You're both saying true things. No, no, I, I, I want to make clear that I agree with Brendan. Like, I, I, Nintendo are going to sell a lot of consoles, possibly more consoles this Christmas than they've done maybe in the previous couple. Um, and they're going to sell a lot of back catalogue games, loads and loads and loads. Their biggest game this Christmas will be, I think, will be the game they released in March. Um, I just, all I meant was there's not going to be that one super title that's going to make the quarter bigger because... Uh, it sold 10 million copies in December. You know, I just meant that that's the thing that's missing. Maybe the word shabby has provoked a, a reaction. Um, but, um, but you're right. You know, they, they will run out of their big AAA games at some point. And next, the next lineup of getting the next well, Odyssey 2. And, and, you know, there was always going to be a year where there was something missing because um, they, they've gone through all of their biggest, you know, 10 million plus selling franchises. They, those are gone through now. They've done that. Um, and um, Advance Wars. <laughs> well, but I'd love uh, Excite Bike, uh, Excite Truck has got to be the that's the that's the next one that will do the the numbers. Uh, I think that's the uh, that's the super franchise that's missing in Nintendo's uh, Arsenal. Um, but no, I I I think you know because I'm a big like for me as a fan, like I love those classic Mario 3D games. I'm a big fan of Pikmin, um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to what's coming up from Nintendo. And I I I do think that they're going to do extremely well. And I think the best thing is they're going to it's really it's an interesting scenario for Nintendo because they don't normally get to this point in the cycle and still have momentum. It's been a long time since I remember Nintendo heading into a fourth year of a console with the momentum they've got. 
um, because they're still selling faster and faster and faster. And by the time they would, not, um, you know, even if things start to slow down next year, that's when maybe that's when the new Zelda gets announced, the new Mario. Because normally by the time that, uh, only the new Zelda's been announced, by the time they sort of announce its release and stuff. Because normally by the time we get to the next, the, the Galaxy 2 or the Skyward Sword, momentum has dropped off very, very steeply and it's they've arrived a bit too late in the cycle. So I'll be interested to see if this time, because of the momentum they managed to keep going, um, if they have another great Christmas, which I'm sure they will, um, if um, by the time those next range of big games, which will keep the engagement up, keep people playing the machine in the face of competition, um, if this might be one of the longer serving Nintendo machines. I wonder if that's because of, and you've always talked about this in the past, the fact that they combined uh, the handheld and, and home console units. Because, like, yeah, home consoles, fourth year, you're very much at the beginning and the end if you're not already you know hurtling towards the end but ds and 3ds i swear like fourth year is almost mid-cycle for those ones mm, so that's true they the last time they've had moment they haven't had momentum in the fourth year for a home console but they have for the last two handhelds yeah. and, and, and a game up for years yeah yeah game um, live for years gba how long did gba live not, not that long as long it, 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 not quite as long but that wasn't i think that was less to do with momentum of gba and more of um but i am um, i would i would love to see so Sorry, this is sort of a weird like tangent, but um, I remember Chris saying last year, I think, around when we were doing sort of our year-end reflections and predictions, uh, or maybe it was the year before, I don't know. Uh, but Chris, you were talking about how all the big 3DS franchises were slowly making their way to the Switch. Like Luigi's Mansion, I know, was one you cited, Pokemon, things like that. Um, I feel like so far we've seen a lot of 3DS franchises kind of make their way over there, but with with Luigi's Mansion maybe being the major exception, a lot of them have not been like console quality experiences. They felt like, okay, slightly upgraded 3DS things. Um, Pokemon was kind of the big standout thing, but there's also been a lot of third party games. Uh, Harvest Moon comes to mind. A lot, a lot of other things that are Story of Seasons, whichever one was on the 3DS. Um, a lot of them have have kind of had sort of this rough transition into console. And so my sort of wonder is if there's going to be any kind of effort in the second half of the Switch's life cycle for those studios to buckle down and keep the franchises on the Switch, but really work on transitioning from a handheld area era to a console era yeah. in that regard. Yeah, I guess they need to staff up and learn new skills and stuff because they make yeah, games. It's hard. They make games. They make games in a different way. Um, but, um, but you know, I've, I've, um, I've, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite optimistic about Nintendo's future with the Switch. Um, I guess there's a thing with what happens after that, but, um, they, they, if they can keep that, if they can just keep that going, and I, I, I'd be very happy if they did, because I love that machine. Um, and I think if the Pro arrives at the right time and it does the right things, it's, um, yeah, I think it, I think it could be really, I, I think it'd be great. And I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see some new stuff, you know. I'd love to see what a Mario Kart team does um, when they're not having to make a Mario Kart. You know, and I don't know if that's what they're doing or not, but um, it's uh, but um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. But then, of course, you know, who knows what the world's going to be like in, in twelve months' time um, and whether or not where where things are and, and how things are going. But. On that ominous note, I think I'm going to wrap us up because we are uh, running out of time. Um, just to kind of a quick update on uh, Chris's theory slash my attempt to pr- prove that Nintendo fans can be so e- easily provoked. Uh, my tweet from, let's see, less than 20 minutes ago. Um, Nintendo has released too many games. Discussed. I've had one person reply, no. <laughs> and and uh, that's it. And honestly, I think... Uh, I think Rebecca, that's conclusive. You- 
Rebecca, you you retweeted it for me. You have had more response than I have. You've had four people like your tweet. No one has even liked my tweet. So I think the only thing we've really proven today is that no one listens to me on Twitter, so I really should stop talking on it. (laughs) Or that my Twitter followers are mean. (laughs) (laughs) That is all we've got time for this week. Uh, We'll be going to be back next week with your usual news show, and I believe we will have another five games of in the works uh, because it's that time that we're going to try and alternate them. So five games of and Game Developers Playlist, if you haven't already listened, the two spin-offs we're doing. Uh, Five games of is one I'm doing. It's with... um, it's interviews with people about five games from their career, their first, their last, and three of their choice, and how those games demonstrate the industry is changing. Uh, game Developers Playlist is Rebecca's. Uh, I'll let you explain this one. Yeah, Game Developers Playlist is a, a bit of a spinoff of our regular Why I Love columns. Uh, it's where I interview various people across the industry um, with all kinds of levels of experience um, about a video game that they did not make that has inspired them and informed their work in some way. Our most recent one was with Davion Gooden talking about, uh, he's uh, making She Dreams elsewhere right now, and he was talking about RPG Maker. It was fantastic. It was a really good episode. All of these episodes are on the same podcast feed, so there's no like need to subscribe to a separate feed. Scroll on back, and you'll be able to find the uh, the previous episodes. Aim is to kind of have like a spin-off, and then a, a week where it's just a normal news show, and then a, a week when it's a news and a spin-off and then a week off and then a week with a spin-off and yeah basically <laughs> that's a really bad way of saying we're going to do one of each a month isn't it <laughs> we're going to do one yeah. of each week <laughs> one of each one a month that is definitely all we've got time for you can find all previous episodes on your podcasting platform of choice be sure to subscribe so you get the latest episode and you can get your news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz Can I just say, I'm really impressed at how we turned an, an episode that was meant to be about Xbox into an episode, into an about, episode Nintendo. about Nintendo. I think we did well there. <laughs>